Thank you for listening to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. Today's episode features Father James Claver sharing the story of his poverty pilgrimage. To learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, please visit scjesus.org. Hi, and welcome to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. I'm Edward Lugo, the project manager for the Servants, and today I have the pleasure of again being joined by Father James Claver, who is back with me to share the incredible story of his poverty pilgrimage. Welcome back, Father James. Thanks so much, Ed. It's <laughs> awesome to be here. That's funny. The other day I was saying that was my favorite part of the Father James <laughs> episode because I was like, you just sound so like insincere. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Awesome. We're changing that. That's right. Um, okay, so uh, today's episode is one that I've been looking forward to for a very long time. In fact, I think that when we decided to have the podcast, this was probably the episode that I couldn't wait for the most. So there's a lot of pressure on you, and I hope that you can deliver because I know how much you love pressure. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, actually, I hate pressure, but we'll deal. <laughs> well, you're good at talking about this, so I think you're going to be fine. Today we're, we're talking about the poverty pilgrimage, and uh, I'm going to ask Father James to just give a backstory of the poverty pilgrimage because it is pretty unique in religious life. Uh, and I, I guess I just want to know kind of where did the inspiration for the poverty pilgrimage come from? Like what are the guidelines for it? Mm -hmm. What are mm -hmm. the things you can bring with you? So, yeah, I guess start big picture like inspiration yep. as part of formation and then kind of narrow it down into like specifics of what the pilgrimage entails. So the inspiration originally comes from Jesus, who I think it's Matthew chapter 10, sends out his 12 apostles and says, go and take nothing with you along the way and stay with whoever hosts you and preach the kingdom of God. And he also says, you know, pray with the sick and, and so forth. But that's the original inspiration, Jesus himself. And they come back and all that they marvel at is, wow, we have such power and authority in your name, Jesus. There's this sense of just being in awe. I mean, that's the first thing. That's really the only thing they say. Um, secondly, St. Ignatius of Loyola, in his uh, the formation of the Jesuits, he uh, himself did a poverty pilgrimage where he went to the Holy Land by himself uh, and didn't take anything with him and depended on God's providence and people's generosity. He did that. He recommended that his men do that, and he had it prescribed uh, for them to do that. And so uh, uh, Father John and Father Paul, when they founded the community, thought that this should be a formational experience. And so they did a poverty pilgrimage in 2006, going from California, from uh, San Francisco down to San Diego. Uh, that They were the first ones that did it. So the other things about it, um, I was instructed to take with me a change of clothes a Bible, a breviary, which is a prayer book, a toothbrush, and in my case, sunscreen, because I was going to Mexico, and uh, it is very warm there, and I'm very white. <laughs> so, there we go. Now, what do you have aside from those things? I mean, do you have plane tickets? Like, mm. do you have a, an yes. itinerary? Like, do you have reservations about where you're going to stay? Great, great question. So we have, uh, I, in my case, I had two plane tickets, one from Denver, where we live, down to uh, Cabo San Lucas in Mexico on, I think it was, I arrived June 1st, and then I had another plane ticket 
that got me out of San Diego on the 25th of that month. And so I had no reservations. Uh, my wallet was empty. Uh, Father John gracious. I remember leaving at like 6 a.m. So Father John gave me money and said, buy breakfast in your layover in Phoenix and get rid of all your money by the time you get on the plane for hmm. Cabo San Lucas. Hmm. So that's what I had to do. And then uh, the other thing I had was my passport. And what I was supposed to be doing was visiting a series of missions. So back in the 1700s, the Jesuits, the Franciscans, the Dominicans built a series of missions up along the coast that actually go all the way up to into California in the United States. And I was supposed to try to visit as many of them as I can during the course of those 25 days and as well arrive safely um, to my plane on mm -hmm. time, so to speak. And I was really just supposed to trust in God's providence. Um, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any plans. I didn't have anything reserved ahead of time. It was just trust in God, depend on people's generosity, beg for what you need, and stay close to the sacraments as much as possible. <laughs> okay, so we're going to get into specifics. Yeah. But I have to ask this. Were you, like On a scale of 1 to 10, <laughs> how scared were you? Like If 10 is like, I think I'm going to die... And one is like, oh, I'm not scared. This is a walk in the park. How scared How scared were you? Well, it depended on what moment we're talking about. I mean, I think for me, the, the, that was probably the hardest part of you would have moments of being a one, and then you have moments of being like 10, like I am going to die. <laughs> like this is this is eminently coming. Now, it never did, but it sure felt like that. Um, So maybe I could say uh, I, I found out about this. I, I knew that this was a formation exercise. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't anything that was like hidden from me or anything <laughs> surprise <laughs> here's your plane ticket yeah but it was more of like when in the sense of uh i joined the community in may of 2009 i remember going uh sometime in april on a walk with then brother john ignatius and uh he said you know july we've got set you're going to be out at covecrest you're going to be doing some manual labor there it's going to be really good but i don't know about june and he said, um, what about a poverty pilgrimage? Hmm. And I'll never forget this conversation, really. Because um, he said, so I responded back, well, I was like, well, where would I go and who would I go with? And I knew that Father John and Father Paul had gone um, with actually two other guys, so they had a like, group of four. So I was anticipating going with someone else. That would have been awesome. Mm -hmm. But Father John responded, no, uh, you'll probably be by yourself, and I would probably send you to Baja, California, to the, the missions down there in Mexico. And I had this overwhelming sense this that no first it was overwhelming fear, like utter and complete fear, followed immediately by this grace out of nowhere. And, and honestly, this voice of, of the father saying, That's exactly what I want you to do. Wow. And and I, I was shocked. I was like and, and then there's just this peace came and like there was this fear, but this overwhelming joy and peace that came in the midst of it. And it was this like, oh my gosh, I I have to do this. Like this is this is exactly what God is asking. It's one of the, I think, the few times in my life that uh, God has been so clear, and there was just this abiding peace about it. Hmm. Now, this is April. Yes. And you went in August. No, I went in June. Oh, in June. Okay. So you went before. I went like six. I so I found out about it six weeks before. Oh, we okay. bought a plane ticket maybe like a week later. Yeah. And it was all the time of like, what the heck? Are you freaking <laughs> kidding me? What am I doing? This is nuts. Who does this? 
Uh, now you're you were the first servant after Father John and Father Paul to go. Yes. And you were also the first servant to go by yourself. Yes. Now, how did Father John, as the superior, I mean, I'm sure he had to be terrified too, right? Yeah, he, he actually was. Um, he really was, because he knew that my mother would be uh, obviously bothered and upset if I were all of a sudden to be like, sorry, we lost your son in Mexico, you know? Um, but So it was a leap of faith for him as it was for me. Um, and maybe I can share a little bit later of what he realized in the middle of it while he hadn't heard anything from me yeah, for a long time. Yeah, that would be awesome. So let's go through this. Yeah. So I want to know, like, day one. Yes. You get to the airport. Yes. You get on the plane. Yes. And, like, then what? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly how it went. So I was flying down to Cabo San Lucas. Uh, this is a big resort area, so, like, the the plane was full of all these American couples on weekend getaways or whatever mm -hmm. uh, to go on vacation. So I remember sitting next to this couple and uh, they were asking me what I was doing. I was like, I'm going to be traveling up and down the coast. I, I was like too afraid to actually like admit what it I was going to do. So I uh, I land and I go through passport security and I get on the other side and there's all of these taxi drivers there and they're ready to like take people there all these all these mexican taxi drivers and i knew that uh you know a very touristy area they were just wanting money so i just go up to one of them and i said hey i i'm doing this poverty pilgrimage i don't have any money and, I, and i'm speaking in spanish mm -hmm. um i learned some spanish when i was in down you, in honduras did you have like a habit or anything I, oh, yeah, I forgot to say that so i i was like in the entry level so i was a postulant yeah and we were dressed like a Boy Scout at that point. So I had gray pants and a tan-colored shirt with pockets, and I wore a, a, a small crucifix around my neck. Get, I, I kid you not, when I crossed the border in the United States, there, were, there was military that was just stationed there, and they really thought at first glance that I was an AWOL military member, like some Marine that had yeah. just gone away and so they they actually made me give a second form of identification to prove that i was military and whatnot but it, but anyways so uh yeah that's all i was wearing and i had birkenstock sandals and my backpack with those things that i mentioned earlier yeah now did the habit or lack of habit like what <laughs> what happened did people believe you like this taxi driver what what did he say he just looked at me like squinted his eyes a little bit like looked like leaned his head one way then the other and just said go talk to this other guy over here hmm. so i go and talk to the other guy and he's like go talk to this other guy i go talk to the other guy. go talk to this other guy <laughs> i kid you not seven people later um this taxi driver says yeah i'll take you um just let me wait until my van gets full of people hmm. so he uh gets all these other couples to get into his van i get in the front seat and it's a couple 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 me single guy with my little backpack everybody's got these huge massive bags and then there's me and i'm feeling it so much and just like oh my gosh this is crazy this is nuts and it was almost like my uh my confidence was like on a thread and uh so i get in the front seat we're driving along i'm starting to talk to him turns out he's a mormon guy uh which is awesome that's mm -hmm. great but it was just like oh this is interesting i've talked to him in spanish at some point he says um well i'm going this way 
you got to leave now because you're going to go into this other town. And I was basically going to the first mission, uh, which was, I think, Cabo San Jose, mm-hmm. um, right next to Cabo San Lucas. So I get out of the car, out of the van, and it's like this busy roundabout intersection um, outside the city in the middle of the desert. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is getting real. Like, you know, you just meet somebody, and then you're like, no, I'm going to say bye to them, and mm-hmm. I'm going to venture out into the unknown. And so um, I, I, I got out of the car, and, and I thought to myself, you know, if I look up at these couples and I misread their, like, curious looks on their face as, like, a – a judgment of me or somehow mm-hmm. like I, I i'm gonna lose it like i so it was like took everything in my power to look down to not look up at anybody and just like keep walking um <laughs> so that's what i did and i i made it into the city i made it into the first mission and i was like oh my gosh i made it i'm alive this is great prayed a holy hour there um now, which was you Sorry to to pause because you still have to do like a holy hour. Yeah, I still have to do a holy hour, and I have to get to mass as much as I possibly can. Yeah, so okay. that's part of the reason why. Uh, yeah, I ended up just staying close to the sacraments, which was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I made a holy hour. I see that there's mass later on that night, and it's kind of like the I walk around the the city square, just trying to talk to people, and all the conversations fall flat. Mm-hmm. No one wants to do anything with me. What um, did you did you just come up to people and say like, hey, can you help me? Like, no, I didn't say it like that. I was just like, you know, how how's it going? Yeah, yeah. What, you know, and people were just not interested. Yeah, like no, no one. There were yeah. So uh, I had landed at noon. I probably got to the church at like one or two. I prayed a holy hour. Mass was at six. Um, I'm hanging around before mass, and uh, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do, who I'm going to stay with that night. Um, I saw the priest briefly and he said, well, talk to me after mass. I had just mentioned that I needed a place to stay and he said, talk to me after mass. I was like, okay. But the other thing is like my ear, um, was stuck at 30,000 feet on, mm. from a plane ride. Like it had never popped. Yeah. And I know myself of like, I get ear infections kind of easily and it's starting to hurt and I can't hear out of it. And I'm like trying to do everything I can to like subtly pop my ear, but nothing's working. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to get like a little freaked out um maybe around 5 15 these old ladies in the back of the church start praying the rosary and i joined them and then after the rosary i just went up to them and i was like and i i'm freaked out at this point like my mm-hmm. I, I was at a i was at a 10 probably at this point <laughs> maybe an 8 and uh, i'm like does anybody know a doctor nearby and they're like what's wrong oh my gosh what what do you need and i'm like well i have explained everything about my ear and they're like why don't you go buy some gum and I was like, oh, thanks so much. <laughs> Appreciate that. So generous of you. Except I don't have any money. But anyways. So uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this guy comes up to me. And in perfect English, he says, don't worry. I'll take you to a doctor after mass. Hmm. I was like, okay. Whew. Wow, that was awesome. And the fact that he like came up and spoke in English mm-hmm. uh, was just all the more comforting. And so I go to mass. I meet this guy after mass. He introduces me to his friend. His friend is named Ricardo. Which of course is my name from before Richard. Yeah. Uh, and he says, "Let me take this guy." So, I go with this guy that I've never met, and he says, "You know, hey, let, let's go to a doctor." And I said, uh, "You know, great." And I was just explaining, like, "Look, I I'm doing this poverty pilgrimage. I don't have any money on me. You know, I last thing you want is like a miscommunication of like, oh, who's gonna pay for this?" Yeah, type yeah. Thing. So he takes me to a doctor. The doctor looks at at my ear. 
um, gives me a prescription. And uh, then we get back into his truck, and it's like this nice GMC truck. And then uh, we, we go to the grocery store, and he's like, what, what would you like for dinner? So we pick out a few things. We fill the prescription. We get back into his truck, and uh, all of a sudden we're going into one of these neighborhoods, and it's like this really nice neighborhood, and like the really nice mansions all on either side. And all of a sudden we turn into one of these houses, and this gate opens up, and we go down this driveway, and it's like this three-story mansion, and he's got like this cook and maid and someone that's in charge of his cars, and I'm like, oh my gosh. It's poverty. Isn't it a poverty building? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, I, I freaked out, and I panicked, and I prayed like from the depths of my being of like, Lord, you have to help me. And yeah. it was, I always felt like it was the Lord just on the first day just saying, hey, I've got you and I've got you this much that I'm going to spoil you in abundance. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, um, the prescription that this doctor gave me, I remember telling this, this story years later to my actual doctor when I had an ear infection. This was back in the United States. And he even said, you know, I would love to know the prescription that he gave you. Hmm. Because that night I used the eardrops. I woke up the next morning. My ear was fine. And he said, I have no idea what would cause that. Like, what medicine would all of a sudden unpop your ear like that? Like, he was shocked by that. So it's just kind of a small miracle in that. Yeah, so I stayed with him two days. He, um, I followed him around. He had this very successful business. His kids were living in the United States um, on scholarship, basically. And he spoke perfect English. And he was just an awesome guy, a faithful Catholic. And, uh... I stayed with him two days, and he even gave me a map of where the missions were and pointed them out and stuff. And he even called ahead. He said, look, next town you're going to is Todos Los Santos. Um, Father so-and-so is there. Give him my business card. Tell him that I sent you. And sent me on my way. And then as I'm leaving, he gives me close to 1,000 pesos, which, which is, is like $90. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he was like loading me up with yeah. money. So I, I couldn't believe him. I thanked him so much. I, I appreciated it. I mean, it was just awesome. It was amazing um, to see the Lord's providence. I went to the next place. I knock on the door. I stay with this priest. Um, he took me in because of that business card. Like, there's no question. Like, yeah. that made a difference. He, the parochial vicar actually let me stay in his room with this, like, window AC unit while he slept out on the couch. Like, I, I asked, like, please don't. Like, no. He's like, no, 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 you, you have to. And you, like, can't say no to... Mexican hospitality. Um, They're very sincere about that. But um, I felt convicted the next day. I have a lot of money. I don't need this money. You showed up with nothing. And I have a thousand pesos. (laughs) I'm like, this is a lot of money. Yeah. So I remember my holy hour that next day. I'd gone to mass, gone to holy hour. And I was like, I need to get rid of this money. Some of this money anyways. I I wasn't trusting enough to like give it all away. Mm -hmm. So I... Uh, take 600 pesos out of my wallet and the church is empty and I put it in the back of the church like a little poor box thing or a donation to the church. One of the priests as I'm leaving hands me 300 pesos. I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. He's like, no, you, you're going to need this. The next priest drops me off at the bus station and he says, the next place you're going to is this. I've called ahead. Uh, the seminary is going to take you there. All you got to do is show up and get to the seminary. Hmm. And then he leaves, he says bye, and I'm like so appreciative and thankful. 
And then uh, all of a sudden he whips back around in his van. He gets out of his car. He reaches into his wallet and he says, I almost forgot this. Here's 300 pesos. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> you just gave away 600. And yes. And you got 600 right back. Yeah, like exact amount. <laughs> Crazy. That is awesome. So I, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just phenomenal to see. I mean, stuff like that, to see the Lord's generosity of he would come through. I stayed at the seminary. Uh, and then from there, for like the next almost two weeks, Every place I was going to, they were calling ahead to the next place saying, hey, this, this young man is coming. Take him in. And it was incredible. Yeah. Um, and I realized after a while, like, here I am freaking out and panicking, and here the Lord has, has everything provided for. Um, all I have to do is continue to be faithful, stay close to the Lord, and um, keep asking for help. And, and it, was, it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, before we get to a couple more stories I want to ask you about, did the like the first guy who took you in? Did he ever explain why? Did he ever say like, "Hey, I took you in just because"? Like, did he did did he give you any sense of? Uh, I mean, I I kind of spelled out of like I don't have a place to stay tonight, and I'm doing this pilgrimage where I'm just depending on God's providence. Yeah, and he he just saw the need. I mean, he, the thing was is like everybody that I encountered. They were very quick to say yes. Yeah. Later on in the trip, I remember hitchhiking, and these two guys picked me up, and they asked me, hey, have you gotten lunch yet? Hmm. And I was like, no. And they're like, well, let's stop for lunch. And I was like, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Is there, like, something I'm not getting here? Yeah, yeah. Like, there, there's, like, this obviousness to this that they just saw, here's a need. Let's fill it. Yeah. Um. That's honestly, that's how the Mexican people were. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're a couple weeks into your poverty pilgrimage. You haven't had any contact with yeah. servants. You, know, yeah. you haven't had any contact with your family or anything like right. that. You had mentioned Father John and like his trusting to send you. Yes. Uh, and I know I've heard this kind of story from Father John, but can you share Father John's experience sure. of anxiousness and prayer? Sure. So it was like every day, I think, in, in Father John's holy hour, he was going to the Lord and he was like, all right, you got to provide for Brother James. Like You got to give him food. You got to give him lodging and you got to give him company and opportunity to share and Lord, you have to provide everything for him. And there was just this kind of like panic, uh, faithful, dependable prayer, but also like this kind of anxiety-ridden thing. And I, I don't remember at what point it was. Maybe it was two or three weeks in that that he kind of listened for a second. And the Lord said, well, how did your poverty pilgrimage go, Father John? And Father John was like, well, you spoiled us. I mean, we, we stayed at like Pebble Beach and stuff like that. And he said, oh, I'm doing the same to him. And he's like, oh, oh, in that case, you know, <laughs> then just keep spoiling. That was like his line that he kept saying. That's awesome. So at this point, you're like two weeks into your poverty pilgrimage. Yeah. You haven't slept outside no. a single night. No. You've pretty much had every meal provided for. Like yeah, I had three meals most days, at least two every day. And how far was the journey? Like About a thousand miles. Wow. So most places, like, how did you get from one place to the next? Yeah, most places, almost every place, I, I ended up taking buses. Um, some A couple of times I hitchhiked, but basically, like, the money that I was being given, it was, like, buy food, buy water, and buy a bus ticket to the next place, mm -hmm. which I realized, like, I don't need this much money. At this point, you're, like, halfway through your poverty pilgrimage, and you said that the first 
couple of weeks, it was like everyone calling ahead. Yes. Now, did you encounter at any point like that stop happening where all of a sudden you didn't have a place to stay the next night? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that distinctly. It was, uh, I think, almost exactly halfway up the peninsula, Guerrero Negro. I had stayed that night. Um, I'd gone to the priest and talked to him. I wanted to stay at his house, and he said, no, 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 we'll put you up in a hotel, like this very small, simple hotel. And I was like, no, 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 I give me floor space. He's like, no, 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 we, we need to provide you with a bed. So uh, I had gone to say goodbye to him, and I was kind of hoping that he would like offer or something, but he didn't. And so I was like, okay, we'll see you. And then I was like, well, I think I have about 20 pesos left. We're going to buy some water. That's the last <laughs> thing we're going to buy. So that day, I just started walking um, along the road, the major highway there. And I had my thumb out in one hand and my rosary in the other, just walking along this desert. And it was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. In June. Yeah, in June. June. Yeah, yeah. Sun was beating down on me. Um that was one of the craziest moments of my life. I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, this is absolutely <laughs> nuts. But uh, just walking, and I probably walked for like two hours. And, you know, no one stopped to pick me up. Uh, I made it to a gas station. And there I started talking to people and asking for rides. And mm -hmm. I found that was much better. Yeah. And so finally this one truck driver is going by slow over these speed humps. And I just stick out my thumb and uh, he let me get in. And it was an amazing story. I mean, he, he told me, like, his whole life story. He was married, had a family, and at the same time, like, as this truck driver got to know different people and felt incredibly guilty that he kind of basically had his girlfriend on the side yeah. and was – I wish I was a priest at that moment because it would have been awesome to hear his confession and, yeah. and forgive him. But he was just opening up about everything, and it was really awesome. Bought me lunch and dropped me off um, several hours north. That morning, I remember praying, Lord, I need to get up to this city by the end of the day and it was like that was exactly where i ended up so uh and at that point i knocked on the door of a rectory and uh seminary and answered the door i found out later he thought i was a mormon missionary that was lost <laughs> and uh they they took me in and it, it was so funny that the priest like pulls me aside in this room he's like hey just so you know i've got the bishop staying with me tonight and i was like then why are you hosting me but but anyways i was very grateful for it that's awesome Got the bishop and this this vagabond on pilgrimage. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Now, uh, I want to get into, uh, like, when you went horseback riding and all <laughs> of that stuff. And, uh, so, yeah, if you could take us through that, because yeah. I love that story. Sure. So, this was maybe about a weekend. I was arrived at the, at the city, Ciudad Constitución. Um, I had stayed at the seminary the day before, and they had called ahead. And so it was like kind of a small town. I ended up staying uh, at this place for like five days. I didn't intend to stay that long, but it was like every day of like, oh, the next day you'll be able to go. Oh, the next day. Ended up staying there five days. But it was really awesome. I, I shadowed the, the uh, pastor one day and just kind of went around with him and helped say masses and serve at his masses and stuff like that. And then the next day I was with the parochial vicar. The parochial vicar was really young and it was a really entertaining guy. And he was telling his vocation story of how the Lord called him. And it was just a hilarious story of... Him like falling in love with this girl and being like mesmerized. He couldn't do anything for two weeks in his classes in, in seminary because he, there was like this girl in his mind. And finally, the Lord let him out of that. But it was just a really enjoyable conversation. Um, we stopped by this home visit and uh, 
I think he brought some sacraments. I think it was like anointing of the sick and confession at this elderly uh, woman's house. He gets back in the car and he and he says, "Quieres, quieres a, a montar un caballo?" And I had to like search in my Spanish vocabulary, like all the way back, like Spanish to montar un caballo. Yeah, yeah. He just said horseback riding. Yeah, see, see, see. Of course. <laughs> but you know, and it was like this random thing of like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> um. So we drive to this house, and uh, it's this 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 couple that has this really nice house, and the mom, I don't know what it was, but like the mom just took one look at me and was like, I'm going to take care of this kid. There's <laughs> only a way that moms can, and so um, she like, we, we head out back, and she like brings me a Corona uh, with lime, <laughs> you know, and uh, it was just like, oh, this is so nice. And and we get out back, and uh, the priest gets up on this horse, and it just goes for a little bit. I mean, it was just kind of like desert, but nonetheless, like it was really beautiful, and uh, th- there were like clouds in the distance near the sun, and the sun was like shining through, and there was like streaks, and I, I always love that. So it was just these these like all these things coming together, and just this moment of the Lord spoiling me. Um, I get back, or uh, the, the priest comes back off the horse, gets off the horse, I get up on it. And I go around for a bit, and I was just, like, staring at the sun, and, like, I, I can't believe this is happening. I'm, like, horseback riding. I spin back, and the priest is, is walking up to me. And he's walking up to me, and he hands me my beer, my Corona beer with lime in it. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> because I'm just, like, adding all these things up of, like, here's this priest that I really enjoy talking with. Here's this mom that's taking care of me and just spoiling me. Um, Here I'm having a Corona beer, and I... I've never, I, like, I can count on two hands the amount of times in my life I've been horseback riding. <laughs> never in my life have I ever had a beer on horseback. Like, this has never happened before. And it's happening on my poverty pilgrimage. Like, it, it was just unreal. Um, of just this moment of just pure joy and realizing the Lord's care and his love. It, it was awesome. Yeah. That was probably the exact moment that God said to Father John, like, I'm spoiling <laughs> him. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Now, uh, can you kind of take me through, I guess, the end? We've talked about most of it, but, like, the last few days, was there anything notable or significant in, like, the last the last week prior to you actually getting on the plane and leaving? Yeah. Um, I remember, like, kind of that second half of the trip where I had gone with this truck driver and basically didn't know anybody else. No one had, like, called ahead. Um, I had arrived at the big city of Ensenada, and I met this priest the day before there was some like priest meeting and I have him by chance to meet him. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm at this church called Divino Nino. And so I arrive in Ensenada and basically like every other city I'd arrived at, I would just get there and then ask around for the name of this parish. And people would point it out. Ensenada is like half a million people there. Mm-hmm. So I arrive there, start asking around at this bus stop and no one knows anything. Um, no one's even heard of this. And it took about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes to find somebody who had heard of this, uh, this church, Divino Nino. I get on, they, they, they tell me, you know, get on this bus and they'll be able to help you. So I go and talk to the bus driver and the bus driver's like angry and ticked off. And my whole fear, one of the the fears that I had at the back of my mind is like, I'm going to meet somebody that just hates Americans. Like, it's just... Mexicans are incredibly nice, generous people, but like they're bound to, someone's bound to hate Americans. And like, he's going to hate me and he's going to like bury me in the desert (laughs) and no one's going to know whatever happened to 
to Brother James Claver. Mm-hmm. Like, he just died mysteriously, you know, unsolved mysteries. Yeah. Like, that was a fear in the back of my mind. And I remember going and talking to this bus driver, and he, like, just snaps at me. He's like, go ahead, sit. Sit down. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And I was like, okay, this is the guy. This guy's going to kill me. That's it. We're dead. <laughs> so I, I sit behind him, and he goes on his bus ride, and people get on, people get off. And at the back of my mind, I'm like, I should say something. No, no, you're going to make him upset. No, no, I should really say something. No, you're going to make people upset. And like the, 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 the just the anxiety and the fear and the like, no, no, it's going to be fine. Um, Maybe like an hour, an hour and a half goes by. All of a sudden, this last stop, everybody gets off the bus. Yeah. And I'm like stuck there behind him. He can't even see me. Yeah. And we get back into the bus station and he gets off the bus and I'm like still there and I'm like kind of panicking. <laughs> Because I'm like, I'm a fool. You're on the bus by yourself? Uh, yes, I'm on the bus by myself, back at the bus station. Like, the whole point of a bus route is to get off the bus. And I didn't say anything, and he forgot about me, and it's my fault, and I should have asked for help. And you have to understand this, too. Like, the Lord had said to me prior to my trip, he said, look, I will take care of you. You will be provided for. You will not sleep outside. You will not be buried alive in the sand as long as you do two things. Pray every day and ask for help. Now, pray every day that meant stay close to the sacraments, uh, find the Blessed Sacrament, make a holy hour, uh, make it to Mass when you can, and then secondly, ask for help. Now, I hate asking for help. I'd rather suffer rather than go up to strangers and ask them for assistance. Mm-hmm. It's just how I am. Yeah. So here was this like moment of panic, and I knew, and I was beating myself up of like, man, I, I totally blew it. So I go up to him, and I'm like nearly in tears. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. And he's like, what? You're still here. And he could see that I was like really fragile and scared. And so he said, it, it'll be all right. You can keep your money. I'm going out for another route. And so I, um, we get back on the bus. Uh, he points out the spot. And it's getting late at this point. And I'm starting to panic of like, this isn't going to work out. Like, it's 8 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. No one's going to take me in. And this random gringo guy walking around. Like, who's going to take me in at 8 o'clock at night? Yeah. I they points out the church. I get off the bus stop. Um, people help me find the church. I knock on the door, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, "This isn't gonna work. This, that's it. Like you're gonna end up sleeping on the streets." Mm-hmm. Knock on the door. This woman answers the door, and she explains that like this is not actually a parish. It's a chapel associated with the parish. The priest doesn't live doesn't live there. Um, so she says, "Well, let me see if I can call him." So she tries to call him, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's not gonna work." And sure enough, like he doesn't pick up, mm-hmm. and then. I'm like, well, is there, like, do you, is there, what can I do? And she's like, why don't you just stay in my room tonight? And I'm like, no, 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 you don't have to. <laughs> you no, know, it's really okay. She's like, no, 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 it's okay. I've got another room. You can stay in my room for the night. And I was like, what the, and I remember going to bed that night and being like, Lord, you asked two simple things of me to pray and to ask for help. I didn't ask for help. I don't deserve this at all. Mm. And it was this reality of, Father James, this is not about you. It is not, like, the poverty pilgrimage was not about me proving that i was faithful or proving that i could do it it was about the lord showing me i have you and i have you so well that i'm going to provide for your every need even when you're not faithful to your end of the deal which was such a story of really my whole life wow so yeah the uh i traveled there and then from there i traveled to tijuana stayed in tijuana um for a night and then uh basically like crossed the border mm-hmm. i'd see, seen all of these policemen uh with like 
full body armor and like their faces were covered, almost as if they were like robbers. But that's because Tijuana was, it still is a dangerous city. So I crossed the border, begged my way. Uh, I think Father John had given me uh, Mike's number, mm. Mike and Cassie. So I called them from a payphone back when we had payphones, <laughs> and uh, they they took me in for the last couple of days, and I hung out in San Diego, which was awesome. That's awesome. Got on a plane, and <laughs> made it back. Now, what was it like to like make it to their house? Did you feel like you survived? Yeah, I I would say the moment that it 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 like really hit me was in Tijuana, crossing the border. Mm-hmm. Uh, into San Diego, there was this huge Mexican flag, like massive flag uh, that was near the border. And I remember, to this day, I still remember this moment of like staring at that flag, realizing I'm getting ready to cross the border, like the security's right there, they're going to ask for my passport, and just realizing like, oh my God, my God, I I made it. And like tearing up at that thought of like looking at this flag and like the Lord, you have I, wow, like here I am crossing the United States. Like I really doubted whether I was going to actually make it. Mm-hmm. And the Lord was there and, and I, I, yeah, he was just, he was, he got me there. It was all him. Nice. Now did Mike text Father John to tell him that you were alive? I don't think he did. Yeah. I don't think, te- uh, I was texting a thing. Yeah, I guess it yeah, was. Yeah. <laughs> Look back in before T9 even. <laughs> yeah, I don't right. think he did. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, what was it like? Did you call Father John before you got on the plane? Did you get on the plane and fly to Denver? I had I had called him in Tijuana right before I had uh, crossed the border. I just felt like I should. Yeah. I think since we've instructed people not to call, um, but I was the guinea pig, you know, so who knows? <laughs> so I just remember calling him, and he was so consoled, and I was so consoled, and it was, it was great. And I was just saying I was near the end, and he was really pleased, I think, yeah. so. Now, when did you uh, call your mom to tell her you were alive? Yeah, I called her the day after I got back, and I didn't. So when I did this, we didn't say anything to parents ahead of time. Mm. Um, now it's kind of impossible not yeah, to because yeah. everybody knows about this. Yeah. But I basically told mom, like, Mom, I'm going to Mexico for a month. I'll be gone. <laughs> I will be in contact. And the thing was, like, it was okay because. You know, she asked a little bit, like, where are you going to be? I'm like, well, I'm uh, all along the coast. I'm going to stay in a mansion, actually. <laughs> I couldn't even say that. I didn't know. <laughs> where are you going to stay? Uh, to be determined. Um, but I, I talked to my mom and my dad that day, and they were floored. Um, mm. They were stunned. Mm. Uh, the story after story, and they just couldn't believe how awesome it was. That's um, cool. And how much God had provided. It was really amazing just to see their reaction to it. And my mom, I, I think, was a little grateful that she didn't know ahead of time. Yeah. You know, just less panic. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Definitely. I guess overall, what was your biggest takeaway from the poverty pilgrimage? What, you know, you talked a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I think the biggest takeaway was just um, it, it really like more and more that I've reflected on my poverty pilgrimage. It reminds me of like the book of Exodus, the book, the book of Exodus and the whole Exodus for the people of Israel is their like paradigm of. The relationship with with Yahweh, of here is this God that is taking care of us and providing for us, and at the same time we're learning what that looks like and and how to trust Him. And for me, when I look back at that trip, it was this is a microcosm of my entire life. 
uh, of just seeing the Lord's providence in his care, um, my struggle to trust him at times, and at the same time, him just continuing to come through. How many nights did you sleep outside? Zero. Wow. Zero. Not not <laughs> once. like the Lord promised. Yep. Any other thoughts or uh, experiences about your poverty pilgrimage that you want to share? I mean, I think the other part of it that I didn't say at the beginning, the biggest reason for it is that um, it's called a poverty pilgrimage, and there's nothing quite like that experience of poverty, of you have nothing, and you have to depend on God and depend on others for what you need. Um, it is a great preparation for the vow of poverty that we take because it's it's really a... I learned so much from that poverty is not about the poverty. It's about being open so that you can give everything back. And you can see how much God is going to take care of you in the midst of that. So um, that experience of being poor, I, it, it, it taught me so much. Um, I was able to give so much. I mean, there's so many like divine appointments. I remember being in a chapel and there's this crying kid and the Lord telling me to go talk to him. And I remember going to pray with him and talk with him, which was just awesome. Um, as well as a, a couple other times that that happened, giving talks a couple of times uh, as a part of a Corpus Christi procession and gave a talk on the Eucharist to like 500 people in this crowded church, like all in Spanish. On your poverty pilgrimage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was at that same place, Ciudad Constitución, that um, two nights in a row, I ended up one night I was talking to the Charismatics on the Eucharist. The next night I talked to the Curcio movement, gave the same talk, and uh, it, gosh, that was awesome. I remember I sat down, and this guy next to me just looked at me, and he said, Su Español, muy bien. <laughs> it was like, thank you. That means so much, because I worked so hard on my Spanish, and it's still not that good, but you can understand it. But it, it was awesome to um to be poor for the sake of allowing the Lord to be to to fill me up and then to see how he used me in ways that I couldn't foresee or couldn't plan for or anything. It it was uh yeah, that poverty is is awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, would you uh ever do it again? Absolutely in a heartbeat. Really? I I really would. I would love to. Wow. It would be even cooler to do it as a priest yeah. to be able to just meet people where they're at and reconcile them to the Father. I mean, gosh. Yeah. Cool. Maybe you and I could do it together sometime. That'd be sweet. Just have to tell my wife. Actually, maybe I just won't tell her until we get back. <laughs> you know, I have to say that uh, there's not many things in life that I get jealous about. Uh, you know, people who run Ironmans or, like, swim the English Channel, I'm like, wow, that's great. Good for you. But uh, this is something I'm pretty jealous of. I do remember... Uh, at one point, I remember talking to Father John about, like, maybe can I do a poverty pilgrimage? <laughs> but uh, but it never happened, and I, I think it was probably wise that it never happened. Um, excellent. Well, thank you very much. You're uh, welcome. This was really a, a tremendous joy. Well, that's it for today. Uh, because of coronavirus, we are not sure when the next episode is going to come out. It's somewhat up in the air right now. Hopefully we'll get it figured out and get an episode out by next Tuesday. But if not, we will get something figured out very soon in order to keep our thousands and thousands of listeners happy. So, uh, yeah. Sorry, that's just funny. 
Why is that funny? I I, I don't know. I'm just hesitant to believe that thousands of people. Yeah. Well, I'm, we'll make sure your mom at least listens to this. Of episode. course. Of course. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Anything else you want to add in closing? Nope. Okay. Trust in the Lord. He's worth it. Excellent. All right. As always, you can learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus and find podcast episodes, homilies, and talks from the servants at scjesus.org. Thank you for listening. God bless.